Fox couldn't get it cleanly. It's going to be played out down the ice. And that one's going to bounce down, and that is going to do it. The UBC Thunderbirds with an upset for the ages as they knock off the number one seed, University of Alberta Golden Bears. And the T-Birds are going to the national tournament. Unbelievable. Follow the With Steve charging at the blue line. Welcome back for another week of the What's Up With You podcast. I am Ben Steiner alongside Justin Levine once again. And we have a sad show for you today. U Sports cancelled the fall seasons in Canada West, OUA, and AUS. Means there's not going to be soccer, there's not going to be field hockey, you know, football. It's not great and we'll get into that and definitely decipher some of the intricacies of that cancellation. Then we've got a conversation that I had with Bailey Broadbent, the Trinity Western Spartans play-by-play man for their men's hockey program, as well as a bit of a discussion about coaches and the moves recently, as well as, as always, the cross-country skate with all the commitments taking place across U-Sports hockey. It's a bit quieter, but there was definitely a lot of reaction to U-Sports other than in Quebec with the RSEQ being cancelled. So Justin, welcome to the podcast and maybe share your initial reaction on the announcements on Monday. All right. Yeah. Thank you for having me as always. So yeah, obviously it was a sad week um, with the cancellation of the OUA, AUS and Canada West fall semesters sport-wise. This is really unfortunate for the students, especially when, when you look at the seniors who won't have this chance again. This is not how they pictured it by any means, especially when you look at the Vanier Cup, the national championships, things that you play for. It sucks. So this is highly unfortunate by, by any means. I mean, youth sports in general, even if you're not fighting for the championships, you still want to play. So you know not having that it's gonna suck and yeah these are unprecedented times but i guess many were thinking what if it's safer in a couple months and a lot of good questions being raised what if maybe it's possible but um you know what they made a judgment call and here we are so it's unfortunate but that it is what it is it could be considered early um i know there's a lot of people speaking out online about oh my god you canceled this too early because so many provinces are coming back with amateur sports and U Sports is going to be on the sidelines of all this. So it's a little confusing, but I do understand why they had to cancel so early, just because people need to know and have a certainty of the future. They need to know, am I going to school or not? Am I going to ramp up my fitness training or not? What sort of money are you putting into it? There's a whole slew of reasons why this was the time to cancel the fall sports. And of course, we'll know about the other ones by October 8th. So hopefully we see a bit of improvement by that point, because it would really suck to lose a hockey, basketball and volleyball season uh, in total, as well as all the fall sports. So on hockey wise, do you think we'll be seeing a hockey in January? Um, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, especially when you look at other leagues that are 
slowly kind of determining if that's the right course of action for them. I think U Sports could very well pull off. Obviously, it would be shortened. You know, ice time would be a little bit all over the place for players. But you know what? If you're going to play at all, I think it's certainly possible that it's safe enough by January. And especially with uh, a holdout that, you know, almost a, an entire year long of COVID-19. And I think, yes, we're flattening the curve now, but more needs to be done. But we're certainly closer to the goal. So I think it's possible. Yes. One of the things that I found interesting was the BCIHL, the small intercollegiate league over here. We spoke about it with Bailey Broadbent, but that isn't canceled. So we're actually going to get a bit of a collegiate hockey season in BC. Yeah, it makes you kind of wonder if one local league is willing to open, why isn't you sports, especially in the regions that are safe and able to, you know, it makes you question what, what procedures are they going through? Why can't we do the same? Are Is there more testing available to them and not us? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Gone for a while, so definitely something to think about. Yeah, I doubt the BCIHL will have much testing. It's a small league, and I I can't imagine they're going to put money into tests and stuff like that. But BC and Western Canada really is doing a good job of containing this virus, managing it. I sort of thought that maybe we'd see Canada West come back, but one of the things that was canceled, of course, is a soccer season. There's been some talk about either a spring soccer season in Canada West because of the temperature out there, but the OUA is talking about an indoor soccer season. What do you think of an indoor soccer season? even without national championships. It certainly wouldn't be the same. It would be, as a matter of fact, for some incredibly weird and uh, worth an adjustment because you're going from playing on grass and uh, large fields to playing in presumably gyms uh, on hardwood, whatever it might be that they have in mind. Even if they're just turf fields, which some which some schools have at their practice facilities, it just it wouldn't be the same. So again, playing is better than not playing, but how you make it happen, a lot of questions up in the air. Yeah, there's a lot of schools that already play in bubbles. Like I know the the RCQ already has a winter soccer season that's not competitive, but just like friendlies. And they're playing bubbles, but a lot of the players say it gets so hot and so humid in there um, because it, you're playing at full speed in bubbles over a regular field. So it definitely is not ideal. But I could see an indoor soccer season coming back. And especially if the province of Ontario says that you can play amateur sport, maybe we see some friendlies happen at U Sports facilities, but they're not U Sports games. So maybe we do see the Ryerson Rams face off against the York Lions at York University, just not under the banner of the OUA or U Sports. It's certainly possible. Again, if it's safe to do so, and I and you know local health experts in the Toronto and York York region regions you see clearly that you know what it's okay. Let's let the athletes play, and especially because these are sports where players, for the most part, are pretty well spread out. And again, we don't know what the social distancing is going to look like by that time. So you know what, if they can pull it off, by all means, do it. Of course, we can't have too many social distancing rules if you want to play a sport in its purest way. I know that an adult soccer league here in Vancouver brought out a number of rules where it said like you have to be six feet away from people on the field that seems ridiculous you can't mark you can't tackle <laughs> nobody's going to come back with those rules i doubt this adult league will either one of the things i do want to get into is what does it mean for people not to see their little glimpses of esports like the vanier cup like the university cup hockey like the final eight these are things that people see and sort of think of esports once a year two times a year three times a year but they're not going to be there is this going to prove detrimental or does it really not matter Okay, so, you know, I, I kind of see this in both lenses. I see it as if we're not playing for, you know, the top tournaments, the top championships, why play it all? I see it in that lens. And then I see it in the, in the lens of, you know what, some might see it is this is youth sports. It's not it's not huge. Yes, it's, this is my playing field for the four or five years that I'm at school. You know, some players might see it like that. But as long as they get to play, I don't know if those are going to exactly matter to them. When you ask me what does it mean, it's really difficult to answer that question. I think that for the most part, I think 
think players are going to be like, okay, we get to play. Let's focus on that. If we were safe enough to contain the virus as long as we get out there. Let's just be happy with that. So uh, I think that's what we're going to be seeing a lot of. How about for fans and uh, people who don't really see much of U Sports, not necessarily athletes, but just during the year, people in the general public, they don't see much of U Sports in the mainstream media, whereas they do see the Vanier Cup once a year and they think of the Vanier Cup when they think of U Sports. How is it going to affect esports for not having that sense of familiarity in that little token game? So uh, obviously that comes down to growth and publicity, which they're not going to have if these don't happen. Because, you know, the reality of it is when you look at, for example, Ryerson Rams hockey, it takes place at Maple Leaf Gardens, downtown Toronto. Do you see the stands full ever? And the answer, the answer to that is unfortunately not. And so it begs the question. And it's, and it's the same for youth sports events of all sorts in, in different sports. So I'm just uh, generalizing to one in which I've been to cover. But if they're not going to get the publicity, it absolutely could be de- detrimental to the following that they already have, though it's mostly students. However, public comes out for big events like these and fill the seats such as the Vanier Cup. So I think that would be highly unfortunate. And while I haven't seen the national championships on CBC myself before Sportsnet, uh, my understanding is that it's, you know, they come out in fairly strong crowds. So again, it would, it would hurt and it would be highly unfortunate. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing to see all these fall championships canceled. But one of the things hockey-wise that is a little concerning is the FISU games. The International Winter Universiade is coming up on January 21st. It's still going ahead as planned. Of course, that's six months from now. But if hockey comes back on January 1st, as does the other winter sports, and the FISU games start on January 21st, you're looking at players who might have only played one game in the last 10 months. Absolutely. And that could very quickly cause catastrophic injuries, show that these players honestly weren't ready mentally or physically, depending on what workout regimens are following at home through not only this time where we are now, but through the first half of the school year, which will, again is being done online as we know. So begs the question, is it even worth still having it scheduled or like everything else, do you cancel this and move, and move on to next year? I'd be sort of surprised if FISU was able to pull off an international sporting event, which is one of the biggest sporting events in the world. I just, I can't see in six months world coming together and bonding over sport. Even in Switzerland, a country so renowned for being organized and clean, I just, I can't see it happening. The FISU games in the winter, and that probably means this event will be canceled, taking away a great opportunity for a lot of athletes. Yeah, this would be, again, very unfortunate, but it seems to be the reality of, you know what, let's move on to next year because very well in six months, we could be facing a second wave. Players aren't going to be ready uh, physically or mentally for that matter again. And so it's just like, why would you put these risks to these athletes when you really don't have to? So I think that would be the best course of action in my mind. Uh, And I think you said that beautifully. Definitely a disappointing day to see the OUA, AUS, and Canada West fall sports cancelled. Now we'll go to a conversation I had with Bailey Broadbent, play-by-play for the Trinity Western Spartans, and they were supposed to be making their U-Sports debut in men's and women's hockey. Of course, that's not happening. We'll catch you on the other side after my conversation with Bailey Broadbent. I miss you, miss you so now, welcoming to the podcast, Bailey Broadbent, play-by-play for the Trinity Western Spartans. He's joining me on Zoom right now from Langley. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Pretty good. Now, we got some pretty disappointing news yesterday, of course. The Spartans won't be starting their eSports hockey season as they expected. What were your initial reactions to that? 
Yeah, I mean, disappointment for sure. It was kind of the rumors were out there for a few days leading up to the Monday announcement. So like you, I'm, I, you know, I kind of I knew it was coming. And even before that, it, it looked pretty bleak for, you know, university sports in Canada for at least the, the near future, given the pandemic and what was going on. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's really too bad for Trinity, especially. I mean, we had our both our hockey teams going into to U sports, obviously. Um, this season and there was a lot of build-up and anticipation and excitement for that and so a bummer there and and the season's not completely cancelled yet for hockey so that that's the bright side for now but also just for um, at least the trinity side of things our our soccer teams uh, you know with that being cancelled it's tough and it's tough for especially for the student athletes like it's you know, it's tough for me that that enjoys covering it uh, for sure, and and like you as well. Like we watch these sports, and we really enjoy covering it, and it's it's always something to look forward to. But for these student athletes as well, I mean, I know how much it hurts for them. And um, I had a couple friends that were set for their fifth seasons on the uh, on the soccer team at Trinity, and and we kind of exchanged a few text messages, and they were just really disappointed. And and I feel them, like you know, it's it's there's no really good way to put it, right? It's it's really too bad. And yeah, I feel I feel especially for the student athletes because you know there's no really getting this back right it's they're going to finish up their education and they're not really going to play another year a lot of them um, I can't imagine a whole lot of them are going to be coming back so it's it's yeah it's just really disappointing it's kind of just what I felt honestly yeah it was a crazy day yesterday with everything sort of coming out and Ontario Collegiate was canceling at the same time that was unexpected AUS I reported that they might play a season the night before and last minute I found out that they were canceling as well following the lead of Canada West and the OUA but one of the leagues that isn't canceled is the league that the Spartans used to play in the men's hockey team the BC Intercollegiate Hockey League we're on zoom right now and I see that Bailey's grinning because the BCIHL is one of those strange leagues right now they've got four teams separated by Rocky Mountains and Oceans but if you could just tell us a bit about your experience in the BCIHL over the last few seasons with the Spartans. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, like you said, the Spartans were playing in the BCIHL over the last, uh, I want to say, probably close to a decade now. It's a, it's a great little league. I think last year there was only five teams, uh, SFU being one of them, Trinity Western, Selkirk College and Castlegar, uh, University of Victoria and uh, Vancouver Island University. And so small league for sure, kind of very tight knit teams and, and a close kind of playing in close quarters, but uh, but a good league for sure. And I think from Trinity's standpoint, it's been a, uh, a good league to kind of anticipate their jump to U Sports, and it's a it's a very physical and you know fast paced league. But uh, but yeah, a, a little bit surprising, I guess maybe that they're aiming to come back. But I guess given that it is a uh, a league that doesn't require as much travel as say Canada West, um, it does make sense. And then also too, from uh, I, I don't know a whole lot of their financials and and where they're at with that, but. Um, I, can't, I can't imagine a league like that, as small as they are, um, would be able to rebound from a whole year off. So uh, I think from that standpoint as well, it would make sense to come back. But yeah, you kind of hope from a health standpoint. I mean, I know with Canada West pushing back their start dates for a lot of their sports to January 1st um, and also canceling a lot of their sports. I know the big reason for that was was health and for uh, the safety of its you know athletes and coaches and, and everyone involved. And so um, I guess from that standpoint, you kind of hope that the league's setting up a system where they can where they can take care of their, you know, everyone participating. But yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to see a league cancel its season. And so I guess from that standpoint, good for the BCIHL that they're looking at, you know, continuing uh, this, uh, this next season moving forward. But uh, all in all, great experience with the BCIHL. I was fortunate to commentate for Trinity two years ago was my first year. I did that part-time. And then this past season uh, was uh, my kind of first full, full-time full gig doing play-by-play and, and loved every bit of it. And some competitive hockey. I'm not sure if you've been able to see any games, but some good hockey there in the BCIHL for sure. 
I've been more focused on U-Sports, but the BCHL has popped up in my Twitter feed a couple of times. You called a wicked save by an SFU goalie earlier this year that I just, I couldn't believe it. Forget who it was who made the save. That was the first time I heard you call play-by-play. And uh, while you were in the BCIHL with the Trinity Western Spartans, the Spartans also had some pretty cool experiences. They played preseason tournament with SFU and UBC, but they also played the Kazakh junior team ahead of the uh, World Junior Championships in Vancouver. Um, were you part of any of that? You know, I was actually, so that was my first season doing play-by-play for the team. Uh, that was two years ago in kind of the lead up for the World Junior Championships in Vancouver. And I was actually away for that tournament. I was in Australia with my family for Christmas. So um, I didn't get to call any of those games. But yeah, pretty cool. And I'll, I think a lot of that stemmed from uh, our head coach, Barrett Croft. He is, he's just great in terms of being able to reach out and kind of spreading his arms in kind of all parts of the hockey world. And he reached out, uh, I believe, to uh, their coach. Um, and they had some some cool connections there. So yeah, a pretty cool opportunity for obviously the players. I know they did, uh, they did, I think the BCIHL All-Stars or, or Young Stars, something to that effect. They played a game against the Kazakh Juniors and then uh, I think Trinity Western played them as well. So yeah, some some cool opportunities there for a lot of the players to kind of play a, you know, an international team really and some some very skilled players, but also... Um, I know from a, a publicity standpoint, I mean, the BCIHL in terms of their attendance numbers isn't always great. And Trinity too, they've, you know, we've kind of been struggling a little bit, you know, playing in that league, getting the attendance, but, you know, to be able to say, hey, we've got a junior hockey team, international team coming in and playing a few games here. That was really cool too. So um, I definitely watched the the highlights and kept up with it from Australia. But yeah, really cool experience for, I bet, those players and for the team as well. And uh, kind of a just another showing from our head coach, you know, Barrett doing a great job at getting the name out there um, and and reaching out to different parts of the hockey community. I know that one thing I was really looking forward to this year to see the Spartans was all the games broadcast from the Langley Event Center, which is a professional arena, effectively. It used to host the National Cross League, host WHL. What's it like broadcasting from one of the best facilities in now in esports? Oh, it's it's honestly so nice. And, you know, I, I had never actually done play-by-play before doing it for Trinity. It's It, it had always been something that I wanted to do, um, but never really got the chance to do it. And I, yeah, I got a text message from the manager of, of media and marketing there with Trinity Western, Mark Jansen, and a couple of years back, and he he mentioned, he heard my name and said, do you want to do it? And I was, I was thrilled, a little bit nervous, but thrilled and didn't even realize how, you know, world-class of a facility that the Langley Event Center is. And, but I also didn't really realize that how nice it was doing games there. You don't really when it's your first time doing it, you don't really notice how nice it is compared to, you know, other arenas. And, and uh, anyway, so I did most of my games there. And then uh, we had a couple games actually over the last few years at George Preston Arena in Langley as well. Another great facility for sure, but doesn't really have the, um, you know, in terms of their kind of media side of things and, and the camera crews and everything, it is, it's, it's not at the same level for sure. And so kind of going there and then going back to the LEC, you kind of realize how, how lucky we have it. And, uh, and again, nothing against the George Preston, another great facility there, but it is different, right? I mean, we're talking about, they play games, like you said, NLL and WHL games from there. And uh, it's, it's a great facility. And so I've been really lucky to be able to call a lot of games there. Um, they've been a pleasure to work with and uh, they do a great job. They've you know always got multiple camera angles. They have cut the highlights right away and super, super lucky. And um, it's, it's always cool too, to kind of go back and watch the highlights and as awkward as it is, it is sometimes I love hearing my voice and to be able to show friends and family kind of a really world-class highlight package that has my voice behind it. It's pretty sweet. So yeah, really lucky to be able to call games there. And, and also from the, from the team standpoint, really lucky to be able to train there and have their practices there. And 
yeah, just a, just a great rink. And uh, anyone listening, if you're in the area, when hockey does come, you know, come back, definitely check it out because it's a, it's a great rink. I know my first broadcasting experience for play-by-play was at the UBC Thunderbirds old rink. At that point, there were holes and I had a table. I was standing behind the table. I had all my papers set up on the table and you had to look and lean over the side of the pole, like the side of the the stands to see around the poles so you could call the game in the corner because you can see it. It was for my high school and uh, I got one of my friends to do color commentary um, yeah, and it was it, on Sports Canada TV. So it was like a, a decently proper production. Yeah, it was uh, leaning around poles. And I know whenever uh, UBC plays there as well, um, I've spoken to their broadcasters and it's a challenge uh, to lean around that's poles. Fun. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that because uh, we, we've also played quite a few games over the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, we've, we've played a bunch of games there at, uh, at Aldergrove and just like kind of same kind of deal, like from the, from the broadcast vantage point, you know, you can't even see properly. You really got to do a lot of leaning and, and moving around and it's small and it gets super hot in there. And just like it, we, even setting up, like I, I usually get there early and help set up the, the broadcast as well for those games. And I mean, we got a tripod set up and it's totally leaning forward outside of the booth. And like, we, we tape it down We're all, I'm always scared that it's going to fall out and, and, you know, fall down to the hall but yeah it's uh it's definitely different and you know when you've when you kind of start experiencing different broadcast locations and different arenas you kind of gain an appreciation for some over the others and yeah it's 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 crazy for sure yeah a lot of different uh types of arenas but if we're to get into sort of the hockey side of it i know that the earliest we're going to see these guys hit the ice is january but are there any players on the spartans right now who are transitioning to the u sports team could see possibly shining against a higher competition yeah, that's a good question. I think one guy I've been pretty impressed with watching at Trinity, Jarrett Fontaine. He's the captain of the uh, of the Spartans. He's a pretty small guy. Guessing his height is probably only 5'9 or 5'10. And so I'm interested to see kind of how he transitions to this level. I mean, previously, he played for Humboldt, and he also played some time in the WHL. Um, and then, of course, at Trinity, he's uh, he's been a, he's been a great player, and he's always kind of been productive throughout his his time, whether that's junior hockey or um, you know playing in the BCIHL. And so, I'm really interested to see kind of how he could progress into U Sports. I think it's going to be maybe a bit of a challenge at first, just given his size. But I'm I'm kind of expecting him to uh, to transition well. Another player I'm I'm really interested to see kind of how he progresses, and I think he'll be a, a really good player. Uh, he's a goal to Lucas Mills. Been a great great goalie over the last couple of years for Trinity. He took over, uh, they had a goaltender by the name of Silas Mathis, who was a great star in the BCI shell, probably the best goalie ever to play in that league. Uh, Lucas took over a couple of years ago and uh, has been great, you know, back-to-back championships. And, and so he's one goalie I, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on for sure. I think he's got, the, got what it takes to definitely uh, play really well. In terms of uh, maybe recruits, I'm interested to see kind of how the, the Lethbridge guys, we, we picked up two. I might butcher their names here, but Josh Patrician, I think is one of them. And then Josh Boronek, maybe is how you say it. I got to learn the pronunciations eventually, but, um, but two guys that I think might, you know, help kind of that transition. They've already played in this level of competition. And so uh, I'm intrigued to see kind of how they play quite a few players. Actually, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, it's definitely going to be a jump in terms of skill level, but yeah, maybe uh, a good friend of mine, he, he plays on the team as well. Jordan Bogris has a lot of skill, was a, was a great player in junior B. So uh, maybe a, a lower level than some of the other guys have been used to playing, but kind of came into his own a little bit last year. And so he'll be an interesting player. Brandon Potomac, you probably recognize the last name. Um, he's, a, he's a great forward for this uh, Trinity West team, a lot of skill. So I think he's going to help kind of carry a lot of the offense this year. Yeah, and of course, uh, Potomac's sister, Sarah Potomac, is with the uh, women's team this year, doing some assistant coaching and player development stuff while also doing a master's degree at Trinity Western. I think that's basically all we've got for you today, Bailey, but thanks so much for coming on the show. And whenever we get hockey back, we'll definitely have you back on to talk about the Trinity Western Spartans. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Don't forget you.
Thanks for that a great interview, Ben. And that was with Bailey Broadbent. And thank you to Bailey for coming on. It's always fun to hear stories from broadcasters around youth sports. So now we move on to the coaching side. And so with that, I'll have Ben lead us off. So there was a big coaching move out of St. Mary's University on the East Coast in the AUS. Trevor Steenberg, after 23 years with the St. Mary's Huskies, he has left the team to spend more time with his family. Of course, getting up there in age after 369 U-Sports wins, as well as a national championship in 2010. Very successful coach, well-liked among the community, and we wish him the best as he goes on into retirement to spend more time with his family out there in the Maritimes. One of the bigger moves came in the OUA, Waterloo Basketball, was making moves on both the men's and women's side. They confirmed their men's coach. It was the interim coach they already had. But on the women's side, they've taken Jessica Rock from the Ryerson Rams, uh, who was an assistant coach prior to getting her job with Waterloo. And her experience with Carly Clark is going to be crucial to her growing her coaching career now with the Waterloo Warriors. Her first head coaching job, definitely great to see uh, young women getting a head coaching job across U-Sports with Waterloo. And that becomes the second OUA head coaching hire in women's basketball. Tamara Tatham taking over the University of Toronto Varsity Blues. So a lot of coaching movements, but not as many as there were players' movements. So Justin, I know cross-country skate is definitely your thing. We'll get into that now. Shane Bielitka was among six announcements from the Western Mustangs this week. What can you tell me about the left winger heading to the Western Mustangs? All right, so Belitka comes over from the North Bay Battalion. Uh, he is an elite two-way player, and he was a second-round pick in the 2015 OHL Priority Selection. Prior to being traded to North Bay, he was the captain of the Sudbury Wolves in his overage season, and he was traded for Brad Chenier, who's now committed to the Ottawa GGs. So another U Sports connection on that end. Yeah, definitely cool to see that trade coming back into U-Sports uh, because both those players, of course, ending up in OUA hockey. They'll be facing against each other whenever we get the chance to see an Ottawa GGs versus Western Mustangs game, which was supposed to happen this year. Uh, the two teams didn't play each other last year and we would have seen them go head to head this year. But always sort of cool to see a trade happen then and these two players already have a bit of experience with each other. Uh, so what kind of player is Shane Bielitka and what's he bringing to a Western Mustangs team that was the darlings of U-Sports with their success this past year? Again, he is an elite two-way player, and that's going to pay off dividends for the Western Mustangs. But when you look at his stats, I think they really speak for him. So to that end, he scored 23 goals and 29 assists, and he did that through 62 games played. Uh, with those numbers, he was able to collect 52 total points, and alongside that, he also sat for 35 penalty minutes. This is a guy that is going to be very beneficiary for the Western Mustangs, and something that this team should be really excited to have as they continue to add on some young guys. And I mean, this is a the start of our list. Another guy heading to the Western Mustangs is Dylan Miscu. He's taking over the crease there. Probably going to be a backup this year. Uh, but Luke Parasini, who stood on his head in the playoffs, he's graduated. He's on to bigger and better things in his career. But Dylan Mescu, London Knights starter, he's going to be staying in in London with the Western Mustangs. What can you tell me about Dylan Mescu between the pipes? Yeah, so Dylan Mescu was the starting goaltender for the London Knights with Brett Broku being his backup. He spent five years in the CHL, but he's certainly been around a little bit. He played with the Brandon Wheat Kings, the Victoria Royals, and the Edmonton Oil Kings in the WHL. And that's all before coming over to the OHL uh, with the London Knights. You know, 
when you look back at what he's achieved in 2018-19, he made the playoffs and that was a very deep playoff run before being eliminated. Because of what he's accomplished, it actually allowed him to get an NHL team look with the Winnipeg Jets at their summer camp in 2019. So I think that this guy has a lot of promise and yes, he might be a backup when he joins the Western Mustangs officially because again, we're not going to be seeing it this year or at least it doesn't sound that way as of now. You know what? It's hard to fill Luke Parasini's shoes as well. So he's certainly going to do his darndest as, as a backup and i mean this is again this was a very solid commitment for the mustangs not on the hockey side of mescu but i do find it sort of neat that he played for the brandon wheat kings the victoria royals and the edmonton oil kings as well as the london knights though it's a lot of royal and sort of uh, medieval different names there and so i don't know whether you can count a mustang as royal is it a stallion or something uh, that knights would ride atop but kings royals uh, and knights it's definitely sort of a medieval theme with dylan mescu yeah, some would see the Mustang perhaps as a stallion, but it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the king, the knight. It's funny. It, I think that if you're going to get joy anywhere through this, especially at a time where we all need to smile, please enjoy that because honestly, that is funny. Yeah, I might as well uh, give him a crown and maybe he can get the Queen's Cup to uh, just top all that royalty off. Uh, Matthew McDougall also heading to the Western Mustangs. He hasn't played on cool teams uh, with similar names because uh, otters and spitfires there's not very much in common between those two names no there certainly is not but what what they do have in common is they both had the pleasure of having mcdougall to that end he spent three years in the ohl between the two teams and after that he also attended development camp with the nhl's tampa bay lightning if you look at his ohl numbers you know completely 156 games 36 goals and 38 assists for 74 points so was he the biggest producer no but you know it doesn't mean his defensive game isn't kind of the makeup for that so i think that's something to look out for when he again officially joins the western mustangs when you look at his time with erie he played with jamie drysdale who was an nhl hopeful in this year's draft when he played with Windsor, he played with Thomas Stevenson, now with the Queen's Gales, Jean-Luc Foudy, and Luke Boca, who just today committed to the Queen's Gales. Yeah, Luke Boca, definitely a player that we're going to get to later in this after we finish with the Western Mustangs recruitment class. All six guys unveiled earlier this week, so definitely a lot of promise coming to the Western Mustangs. The next guy we'll get to is Drew Hunter, a defenseman. Yeah, so Drew Hunter also played on the Erie Otters. However, he was traded to the Niagara Ice Dogs to finish off his OHL tenure. So to that end, he played with Akil Thomas, Tucker Tynan, and Jonah Simone. Over those four years in the OHL, he made the playoffs each year respectively, which is really impressive because not, not everyone is able to pull that one off. In addition to that, he was an assistant captain with the Niagara Ice Dogs before joining the Erie Otters. Uh, he also played there with Jamie Drysdale, again, an NHL hopeful, uh, who might just be drafted early in this year's draft. So some exciting stuff there. Let's delve into his numbers a little bit because I think that this is, again, not uh, not your average offensive guy. To that end, 73 career OHL points in 212 games played. Now, over that time, he collected 10 points in 23 career playoff games as well. So, again, it might be a give or take with Drew Hunter, but again, I think the youth sports environment might just allow him to break out and see that success that he, you know, wasn't really having. Definitely a good add because whenever you add experienced CHL players onto that, that blue line, it's going to make a big difference in U-sports because so often we see skilled forwards. There's a ton of skilled forwards even coming out of the OJHL. A guy like Kyle Ballers comes to mind, but it's not often you see a stay-at-home defenseman like Drew Hunter. Um, you mentioned Tucker Tynan. Tynan, of course, still on the Ice Dogs. 
and he had a horrific injury earlier this year. So Drew Hunter was in a locker room that was taken aback by such a horrific injury when his goalkeeper's leg got slit open by a skate blade. So definitely a lot of resilience for Drew Hunter. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, when you talk of Tynan's injury, looking back on that for just a moment, very scary for everyone involved. However, Tynan is said to be doing okay and is resting comfortably, continuing to rehab at his home in Chicago. Uh, there's going to be a lot of experience coming from that, uh, having played with him. And, you know, you witness that and it's horrific. You never want to see that on the ice, but the players all handled themselves professionally and made sure that he was getting the best care possible. I'm very glad to see that Tucker Tynan is definitely improving. We'll probably be back in the OHL next year if everything works out well with the virus as well as uh, his health. Another player coming to the Western Mustangs is Jack Shepard. He didn't actually play his overage season. He's coming from the WHL's, the Vancouver Giants. Yes, he is. So he played five years in the WHL, which he split between Vancouver, Lethbridge, as well as Kamloops. As we break it down a little bit, he was drafted 23rd overall by the Kamloops Blazers in the 2015 WHL Bantam Draft. He was an assistant captain with the U-17 Team Canada White Team and again in 2016-17. And, you know, no, that, that's not it uh, when you look at the Team Canada front of things. He played in the Ivan Holenka tournament with the U18 Team Canada in 2017-18. So he's certainly been around the block. Then to finish things off, he attended Arizona Coyotes Development Camp during the summer of 2019. You know, I think that all this experience to develop him into the player that he wants to be, this is a forward who is going to gain a lot of traction and someone that I think other teams are going to be scared of. And again, a solid move by the Western Mustangs. A solid move by them indeed, and they're bringing in a pretty experienced player too in Jack Shepard. A skilled player, he's played on Halenka teams, he's played on under-17 teams, and he's coming from a Vancouver Giants team where he was playing with one of the NHL's top defensive prospects in Bowen Byram. Another player heading to the Western Mustangs is uh, Bailey Newton, but he's interesting where he's coming from. Yeah, it is really interesting where he's coming from, and this would be why. He spent two years with the University of Alabama Huntsville in the NCAA. This was a program that recently went down because the funds just weren't there to keep it going as a result of COVID-19. However, a GoFundMe page was run, they got the funds, and this hockey program has recently recovered and announced that they will in fact be back. It sort of makes you think maybe Lethbridge could have run something similar and brought their hockey programs back because as Lethbridge has brought a group of people to analyze over the next 18 months the possibility of bringing hockey back uh, to the University of Lethbridge and 18 months seems quite long to me but of course Bailey Newton was left uh, Alabama Huntsville as he thought that program was no more signed on with the Western Mustangs but now Alabama Huntsville is back up and running for next year. Yeah, they certainly are. And so, again, these are players who at the time were so unsure and had to have a backup plan. And so, you know, being from Oakville, Ontario, which is not terribly far from the London area, that you know, Newton was like, okay, maybe it's time to return home. And he did so and committed to a Western. So the question is now, when you look back on it, was this the right move how do I perhaps avoid this to return? But I don't think that those were questions that he's had. And I don't, and you know, as time goes on, I don't know that those are questions he'll continue to ask himself as a result of the collapse. You got to wonder if the NCAA is going to come back and play hockey this year in full capacity, because I know the NCAA is being a little more bullish with their return to play plans. Maybe Alabama Huntsville is back playing hockey in September, whereas Bailey Newton is sitting out till at least January. So that's all we've got for the Western Mustangs. But there were also some other announcements and also some other uh, possible signings in U Sports, uh, specifically the OUA. This morning, Luke Boca, right winger, committed to the Queens Gales. 
This has been talked about for several weeks now. Uh, sources had told Victor Finlay as well as us here at 49 Sports. So let's dig into it just a little of what this means. He served the last two years as a captain on the Windsor Spitfires. In his third year with the team prior to being named captain, he was an assistant captain uh, with the Spitfires. All five years that he spent in the OHL have been with Windsor. So that's kind of impressive and really shows not that it's their choice or anything, but commitment and dedication. And if this is a player that really outperforms and if you look at his elite prospects page, that he's certainly done. You don't want to get rid of a player like that. And so that is ultimately why he stuck around. He's an American native from Plymouth, Michigan, and he grew up close to both the Windsor and Flint, who are home to the Flint Firebirds and the Windsor Spitfires, being roughly about half an hour away from WCFU Arena, which is where the Spitfires played. This had to be a no-brainer for um, Luke Boca, and uh, there will be a further interview to 49 Sports in the coming days to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, and of course, he's heading a little further north than you would have expected him. I kind of would have expected him to go to maybe the Windsor Lancers or something, but no, he's heading to the Queen's in Kingston, where he's actually played with one of their other commitments, Thomas Stevenson. Yes, he has. Uh, and, you know, it's not a lot that you see that. And so I think that's going to, A, help the chemistry of the team itself. And for them, it's a chance to reunite and continue to pull off miracles together. So I think that's really, really special. Uh, so before we wrap up, uh, he also won the Memorial Cup in 2017 with Thomas Stevenson on the Windsor Spitfires. So that's just something to note. This is, again, an a team where they're really stacked of former OHL players now with Jacob Paquette, Anthony Popovich, like you said, Stevenson, Jacob Rahini, Calvin Martin, and supposedly Jonathan Yancis, uh, who we're told by sources, but just waiting on confirmation at this time. And that might not be until after the NHL draft takes place. Yeah, there's a lot of players coming from the Windsor Spitfires as well to, to U-Sports. The two players you mentioned, Boca and Stevenson, as well as Cole Perbu, who committed to the University of Toronto a couple weeks ago. Another one of the players is possibly the heading to the Brock Badgers, uh, Mario Pachia actually confirmed heading to the Brock Badgers from the Toronto Patriots of the OJHL. They're losing a Mario, the Brock Badgers. Mario Cavalieri is leaving them next year, or at least he's trying to turn pro. Pechia is a decent goalie. Nothing too special about him. Some OHL experience, but mostly experience in the OJHL. Yeah, absolutely. And again, when you look at his uh, experience altogether, like like you mentioned, he's also played in the OHL where he was with the Sioux Greyhounds and the Kingston Frontenacs uh, through his tenure there. So when you look at his numbers, I'm just going to point out to specifically being his save percentage of 0.900, and that is in 43 games played. I guess I'll, I'll leave you with this question to kind of wrap things. Do you see him as a benef beneficiary player uh, wherever it is he lands? He'll be going to Brock, and I think he'll be backing up at Brock. Uh, last year, Cavalieri played 19 games, not much near the end of the season. That's why he's trying to turn pro uh, in either the UK or Italy. I do have to imagine that a rookie, uh, Pachia, coming out of the OJHL in a shortened season, he'll, he'll be lucky to hit the ice. I think that's basically all we've got this week for the Cross Country Skate. I'm Ben Steiner. He's Justin Levine. Thanks for listening to the What's Up With You podcast. Thank you to Bailey Broadbent for coming on and talking about the Trinity Western Spartans. We'll be back next week with probably less news than this week, but I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. I miss you, miss you so bad. I don't forget you, oh it's so sad.